Welcome to the Top Order Podcast Daily Roundup of the Cricket World Cup. It's match day 25 in the tournament, England versus Sri Lanka. Angelo Matthews, not having played an ODI for four years, uh, comes out of a hiatus to embarrass England um, and all but book them. Um, hopefully their economy seats home. Um, from the tournament. We're going to review the action and look forward to the next couple of days as well on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. So, Baldy, a bit of extra music, probably the only bright part of uh, today, I I think, um, on the pod. Um, What's the neutrals view of of this game? I know you've caught up on the highlights and and seen... uh, um, seen the report should England have seen this coming well that's been a lot of the criticism of of England over the last week and a half hasn't it that that everybody should have seen this coming everyone should have seen that England are too old too slow uh, don't know what their best side is can't get their batting right can't get their bowling right look the, the, the fact of the matter is that they've they've lost a couple of games that they really should have won against Afghanistan and, and Sri Lanka and now their World Cup is you know staring at the abyss of of an early tournament exit you know, I think the the reality is that they're just a little bit off the pace and, and they're managing to find ways to get out. They're managing fo- to find ways not to take wickets in, in the power play. And I think if it were me, I'd be looking at that bowling performance and saying, well, we've lacked penetration at the top of the order. Yes, we were bowled out for 156, but that happens sometimes when you've got um, when you've got this kind of uh, batting lineup that, that takes risks to try and get to 350, 400. Um, but my question would be to the England side, where's the England side that found the fun under Brendan McCullum in the in the test arena um, when they were down here in New Zealand uh, warming up just by playing soccer and having a laugh and kicking the ball around? I, I really think they need to figure out a way to step back from the abyss and, and take a look at themselves and go, you know what, we've got four games to go now. Let's go out and enjoy playing our cricket and maybe some of the results start to come our way from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what what impressed you about Sri Lanka through the the course of the game, Baldy? Well, things that that impressed me about Sri Lanka generally in this World Cup has been the form of Madhushankar up the top. He didn't get the rewards today; they they went to others. But I think the fact that he gives them plenty of swing early on in their bowling innings reminds me a bit of a you know a vintage Trent Bolt, um, not quite as on the same level as Bumrah in, in terms of getting seam and swing. But he's he's always been impressive for me. But it was that kind of all-round bowling performance from Sri Lanka. You have a look down their scorecard, wickets from everyone. Lahiru Kumara came in and got the got the chocolates today. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's, you know, Madhashankar up the top. Rajita's bowled pretty well. You have a look at Thikshana, eight overs for 21, just went at twos. Angelo Matthews went at twos. So those guys really did a good job of restricting England's vaunted batting lineup, and some other guys got the chocolates as a result. Yeah, look, absolutely. And look, I guess for England, um, things could have started even you know even more differently and and even worse had Sri Lanka used a review on the first ball of the game. Um, Madhushankar, I think, had um, Johnny Bairstow, um trapped on the pad it was one of those ones that just squeezed you know flicked the plaid before he squeezed down on it and, and drove it down the ground for for three showed it would have been three reds on the on the review so England would have got off to an even worse um start but yeah I think picking up on your point Baldy that, that from a batting perspective um I, I just don't think the, the formula's been right 
Milan has, you know, looked good over the course of the last 18 months or so and actually isn't having too bad a tournament from a from a stats perspective. Um, but he doesn't seem suited to the role to go out and really attack the power play. He gets, you know, he gets sort of going in terms of, you know, 20-odd off, 20-odd balls. Um, Bairstow's not really been able to provide the fireworks um, that Jason Roy did at the top of the order. Um, and then actually Joe Roots not really looked himself through the course of this tournament. And then I think from an England perspective, they've tried to, to you know, squeeze in um, Ben Stokes um, to, to the side at the expense probably. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot of Harry Brook. Um, he's not really got going um, either. And, and I think it's one of those things when you've got um, an all-rounder of his quality that can't use one of the strings on his bow, um, I, I just think it affects his potency from from a batting perspective. And then uh, we come into that middle order, which has so long put the icing on the cake of the starts that the uh, the likes of Roy and Bearstow and Root and Butler have got. Um, and they just really haven't come, you know, to the party. Liam Livingston, Moen Alley, um, Chris Wokes, terrible tournament uh, for, from a personal perspective, continued today uh, with, you know, with, with a duck. Uh, good catch. Uh, by mm, Samuel Wickerama um, at points. Um, and, and then, yeah, look, they were never going to get back in the game um, fr- from there. T- took a couple of early wickets with David Willey's uh, swing. But again, um, you know, David Willey's only going to, you know, really knock the cream off the top with that very, very new Kookaburra. Once it stops swinging, I, I don't think he looks quite as um, quite as potent. So uh, whilst I've been critical of that bowling line at Bordy, I, I, yeah, I, they didn't have a lot to work with today. No, um, no, you're right. Yeah, d- despite you know, despite the fact that probably uh, when you look down that lineup, and particularly when you compare that lineup to um, even as you know, I say even Australia, that's harsh on Australia. But if you look at Australia's lineup, where you've got um, Hazelwood, Cummins, Stark, Zampa, and then a, you know some bits and pieces for, from Mitch Marshall or Maxwell, you look down this England lineup, you know, Wokes, uh, Willie, Livingston, um, a bit of a I suppose a waning moon in, in Adil Rashid, and then and then Mark Wood, um, who again I think only came on in the eleventh over, and by then it was yeah it was pretty much uh, uh, pretty much all over anyway. Yeah, they they've really missed Joe Root in that middle order for England, haven't yeah. they? Because the explosiveness bats around a guy who can get them from overs eleven to forty, and unfortunately for Joe Root, he just hasn't found success and consistency in this World Cup, and I think that really has hampered. England's ability to be explosive uh, throughout that 50 overs. We know that they attack all the way through, but they really do need either Milan or Root or both to bat a long innings through the middle overs in particular to give them some impetus going into the last 10, 15 overs, three down, where England could score 140, 150 off the last 10 overs if they can put themselves in that position. Unfortunately, the combination of Milan, Root, Stokes, Butler... Can't get them there at the moment. Can't get them to 40 overs, uh, three down. And and that's been the challenge for, you know, guys that are unused to having to bat for long periods or to carry in innings, having to perform a task that is unfamiliar to them, certainly over the last eight years. Um, I, I think it's a case of, you know, this might be the last time we see some of these England players in, in their white ball setup uh, in ODI cricket. And it would be a real shame for them to go out um in this fashion because there are some quality cricketers in that lineup that have just underperformed with the bat at the moment. And then that affects their performance with the ball. As you say, 
their top order, uh, Wokes in particular, has underperformed so far in this World Cup by his standards and I think the standards that England would set for him. Um, and from there, it's a case of, you know, there's no momentum for England to be able to get Adil Rashid on the front foot bowling attacking leggies to get Mo Ali bowling attacking off breaks to try and take wickets through those middle overs. They're on the back foot and they're having to manufacture trying to get back into these contests. And even against Sri Lanka, who haven't performed particularly well to date in this World Cup, the last two games notwithstanding, Sri Lanka's batters, who I think have actually been good. We need to give praise to Nisanka, who's got four half centuries in this World Cup. Summer Wickrama looks like a good cricketer. Raj identified him a couple of episodes ago as being one to watch. So um, these guys are, are really starting to uh, get what Raj would call a bit of momentum through the middle of this World Cup period. Yeah, look, Paulie, absolutely. You, we, you know, we talked about those two relatively early wickets for England. Pereira, Mendis uh, falling to, to David Willey. But yes, Nasanka and Summer Wickrama, you know, batted really, really well and iced, you know, iced the game. I'm sure there were a few... Um, a few nerves in that Sri Lanka dugout when England, you know, did take a couple of wickets because I think um, as poor as England have been, I don't think teams will write them off um, and they might have just thought, well, hold on, could this be a low-scoring, you know, a low-scoring nail-biter? Um, obviously wasn't with, with the way that um, Samra Karama and Nasanka iced, um, iced the game. Um, I, I think, you know, in closing for me that... And it's an easy, it's a really easy thing to say, but I, I think from a summary perspective, um, England's side looks a good T20 side. I, I just don't think that they can stretch to the the fifty over format. And I think um, I, I don't think necessarily we can use any excuses around not having played a massive amount of the format since the twenty nineteen um, World Cup because all teams have been in a similar scenario. We you know limited. Um, bilateral opportunities to play ODIs um, and domestically again I, I, again I, I don't know the stats I'm pretty sure that Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli haven't played too much um, provincial one day cricket for their uh, for their state sides and I, I'm pretty sure that um, I, I forget the name of the tournament in Australia now is it the Ford Ranger Cup or something like that the 50 over it's something yeah, yeah. S- sponsors to be named yeah, yes yeah but again I, I can't see you know that David Warner Steve Smith Labuschagne coming Stark Hazelwood Zampa have played too much provincial um, 50 over 50 over cricket as well um, let's look forward though to um, the fixtures that come in come in thick and uh, thick and fast. Uh, we got Pakistan, uh, Sri Lanka. Sorry, Pakistan, South Africa. I think um, is the game today. Um, Sri Lanka have probably just about got themselves back in contention in the table as well. Um, and then we've got Australia, New Zealand coming up. Um, Double header on Saturday. Bangladesh, Netherlands. The, the other game. What does this do? What does this game do? Do you think to um, permute? Yeah, permutations. It, it you know it, it probably sort of suggests that. Uh, Sri Lanka might just be able to get themselves back uh, back in the running. Yeah, so let's take the the Sri Lanka game. They've got Afghanistan on October 30. They can build a, a bit of momentum in their tournament if they can go back to back to back and all of a sudden, you know, from 0-3, they're now 3-3 three and three, and they're starting to build the same kind of run towards the semifinals that we kind of expected England to build even after that loss to Afghanistan. I think the the games tonight and tomorrow, you've mentioned South Africa, against Pakistan, Australia and New Zealand. I think that will sort the wheat from the chaff in terms of the top of that um, of that table chasing India on the road to the semi-finals. 
we'll see what South Africa and Pakistan have got to offer um, in a in a game that means a lot. Pakistan have now lost three on the bounce. They've lost to India and Australia, which is you know possibly as expected, but they've also lost to Afghanistan. So if Pakistan have um, hopes, dreams, aspirations to play semi-finals cricket, they're going to need to right the ship against South Africa. South Africa can stamp their authority on this tournament as a contender alongside India with a win tonight. And Australia-New Zealand, we know that's going to be a close game. Uh, but for Australia, they don't really want to drop a third game in, in, in six times of asking and be up against potentially Sri Lanka, Pakistan, uh, even maybe Afghanistan, if they pull off a win, will be three and three. So we don't want to see from an Australian perspective a contested logjam for for spots four through four through six, because then it comes down to run rate, and and that could be a bit of a lottery. Yeah, um, India sitting pretty at the top of the table, obviously. Border, can can you see them um, going through this tournament unbeaten? I certainly can see them going through unbeaten. If you look at the draw that they've got, they've got England that are in a world of hurt at the moment. They're going to spend a couple of days in the room of mirrors and they've got to bounce back pretty quickly because that game is on October 29. So it's only two or three days away. Then they've got Sri Lanka, who they routed in the Asia Cup final. They've got South Africa, which promises now to be a pretty juicy encounter on November the 5th. And then they finish their tournament with a game against the Netherlands that you'd expect them to beat the Netherlands and beat them comfortably. So there's every chance that India can run the slate. Of course, we saw England lose three games in the 2019 version of the World Cup and lift the trophy. So, you know, winning everything in the pool games is is not a formula for for guaranteed success. Uh, but they certainly look like the side that that has the most complete package on both sides of the ball. Um, as Raj said a couple of podcasts ago, really, they only need to fire at the moment with one side of the ball or the other to take away the chocolates. So it's going to have to be a complete performance for another team to knock them off in the group stage or indeed in the semi-finals. But pressure can do funny things to cricket sides. Absolutely. Baldy, I think we've um, we've spoken um, enough and, and we very rarely um, take our own advice when that happens and, and, and end the podcast. So I think it is a good time for us uh, to do so for, for a change. Um, we will, of course, be back tomorrow uh, with a wrap-up of that, um, yeah, what could be a pretty important game in the context of the tournament, uh, South Africa, um, Pakistan. And then over the weekend, of course, we'll cover that double header on Saturday. And then, as you mentioned as well, the India-England game at Lucknow on Sunday uh, Sunday night. Um, we do want to ask a quick favour. If you are enjoying the podcast, either in its audio form um, or on YouTube, please um, not only give us a like and a subscribe, but maybe recommend the podcast uh, to a friend, um, cricket teammate um, or colleague and ask them to do likewise. We are growing um, our subscriber base um, quite nicely through the course of this World Cup and would like to continue to do so. It gives us the ability to bring you more and more content. Um, but for now, it is going to be, um, I was going to say again, good night and good bless, but it's not good night. It's good morning and good bless uh, from us here in Auckland. And we'll see you on the next edition of the Top Order Podcast Cricket World Cup Review. See you soon.